Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah One in particular, I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock Browning, uh. brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett yeah. The man is a menace yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things Promise you, you won't regret it mm. Slides a fox, cultured in pop Give him his props, here is a thought Here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all So don't even try, careful with the news But when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire Because anyone else is a huge mistake Whoa, fantasy round table Fantasy, fantasy round table Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown Baby, hey, fantasy round table Fantasy, fantasy round table Fantasy round table Come take a look at the crown, baby, go Hello and welcome to a Friday edition of the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast. I am your host today, Matthew Fox, and joining me today is Dennis. How are things in Ohio? Uh, it's hot today, very hot today, which leads me to the question, can you hear my air conditioner? A little bit, it's not too bad. Okay. Uh, but, you know, we, we don't want to see you pass out, so. Right. Let's... Right. You know, my I had my son started like four hours ago, but when I had it off, it was like, man, still a little little warm in here. But uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see. You know, things are looking good in Ohio. Uh, putting the finishing touches on the swimming pool. Now we just got to let the water get up to temperature and uh, looking forward to having a great weekend, talking some buys and sells. How about yourself? Yeah, you know, all week it would have been natural for people to be prepping their pools uh, for the summer. In fact, yesterday it was 89 degrees. Uh, currently, I am staring at a rain-snow mix, which is part of the reason I was a little slower getting home. And it is a uh, grand total of 36 degrees right now. So um, we are riding the roller coaster here in Colorado. The kids just got out of school. All the high school graduations were this week. And I'm sure they're really embracing what it means to be in the summer season right now. Move to the mountains. It'll be fun. The weather. Well, it, the ironic thing is we got one-tenth of an inch of snow the entire month of April. And now, uh, apparently today, we're supposed to get anywhere between 3 and 12 inches. Got to love but it. I told my wife. <laughs> On that note, uh, we are going to have a fun show today. Uh, Matt Bruning is not with us today. He is out living his best life, uh, but he should be back on Monday. Uh, before we dive in, wanted to say that we are a proud part of the Pigskin Podcast Network, and we would love it if you would come and rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. That really helps us, and we appreciate your support. Dennis and I are going to be doing some Dynasty Buy or Sells uh, today. Uh, well, we got a fun message. Apparently, even Toronto was 75. So Colorado just, you know, bucking the trend. Uh, we're going to do some dynasty buy and sells by position. Before we dive into that, there are a couple of uh, news items I thought I'd get your take on. The first, poor Tariq Cohen, man. Uh, ACL tear that's kind of knocked him out of two full seasons. Free agent was trying to do a workout on Instagram Live probably to uh, show off the wares. Blew his Achilles. Uh, is Have we seen the last of Tariq Cohen? I'm going to say no. Um, you know, a Recently, the I think it was the Athletic or maybe the Players Journal, I forget which, put out a story on his, you know, kind of published his story, what it was. And it was really kind of amazing story of perseverance and hard work, um, overcoming some obstacles and some uh, life challenges put in front of him. And and so he, it feels like he, he's got what it takes to fight through it. And then an Achilles is is a bad injury, especially for running backs. But we saw Cam Akers come back pretty quickly. Um, I think we're looking at a fairly quick recovery for James Robinson going into this year. I think he's going to be, you know, it isn't going to be the year plus recovery. And the one thing Cohen has going for him is the dude weighs like 160 pounds. So it isn't like he's, you know, Saquon Barkley thunder thighs or A.J. Dillon thunder thighs slamming you know, 235, 240 pounds on that Achilles making cuts. Uh, his game is predicated on quickness. He's a small receiving back. 
and you know, it, it happened. It's, it's what May. I think next year at this time, we're going to see him signing on with a team, you know, a free agent prove it deal. And he's got the moxie that you, that you like to see in a player uh, to come in and contribute. He may not contribute right away. He'll have to climb up the depth chart, but he, you know, he'll play special teams. He'll do what is needed. So I, I like his, his desire, his opportunity. I don't know that he's going to be fantasy relevant. That would be, that would be, a, now I could see him if he makes it, you know, so it'll be a year and a half pretty close to when the season starts next year. So I could see him being, you know, the receiving option next to someone like Ronald Jones that can't catch for shit. Something like I could see him moving in that direction and, and taking on kind of that receiving running back role for a team, uh, for somebody that, you know, let's say the Texans this year, if somebody's in that state, that status next year where, you know, they've torn it down and they're trying, maybe the Atlanta Falcons next year, as you know, they're, they're in cap hell this year, next year, they're going to need to put some more players on there and start to actually build the team. Um, we, we know running back is where most teams go cheap. So, I could see him becoming flex worthy again in maybe 2024, but I'm not paying a lot to get the opportunity to see it. Yeah. So, you know, I would like to root for him too. He does have a, a good story. Um, he's already almost 27. By the time you get to next year, he'll be almost 28 and he won't have really played a meaningful role on the football field since 2019. I think he's going to work his way back, but I think he probably has to get a shot somewhere like a XFL or USFL uh, and, and pop a little to get a camp invite because we, unfortunately for him, you know, I'd say like one of the biggest challenges too is we have not seen um, the running back position seemingly being valued by NFL teams the way it was even five years ago, 10 years ago. Uh, and there's so many, you know, kind of young undrafted free agents or guys that you can put in there. Cohen was solid for a, for a few years there with Chicago. I wouldn't say he was ever exactly spectacular. Um, and that's why I think he's got to go somewhere and show that he still has some pop. Uh, to get a shot somewhere, and I hope he does. But definitely sad news to see this injury pop up. Uh, the other big piece of news this week is uh, Deshaun Watson has begun his meetings with the NFL to decide if he violated the personal code of conduct. Some people thought that might not happen until after the civil cases were settled, but it looks like the NFL is ready to move forward on that. I would say the timing of where they're doing them beginning here in May means that they're looking to arrive at some kind of a decision before the season. If you're a Cleveland fan or a fantasy player that rosters Watson, how closely are you watching uh, these proceedings? Um, I'm watching very closely. I felt it, it was my understanding that the NFL wanted to kind of wait and see how things played out uh, with, with the court case. Then, then the courts pushed it off till after the season. And after the Trevor Bauer case, I think that the NFL started to get some heat about uh, women's rights and, you know, treating people fairly. And, you know, these accusations are uh, pretty severe. And so I, I think that at the office, they felt like, you know, the PR hit wasn't worth it to, to hold it off until after the, the court stuff. Um, so they, they started moving ahead. They put it on the docket. Uh, I don't know that they're going to make, you know, I, I have no idea what they're going to do. Could they put him on the commissioner's exempt list and, and kind of <clears throat> help tell the courts, hey, really help us if you'd push this up? Not that the courts are going to do that, but, uh, you know, but maybe then Watson could say, hey, I want to appeal to get an earlier court date or something like that. I I don't know. You know, if I if I'm rostering him and I do roster him in a couple spots, I'm 
trying to make sure I have a serviceable serviceable backup so that I can, um, you know, maybe make a run. And and we'll see how it goes out if he misses half of this season. And, you know, and I also see a world where they go through their process regardless of what happens with the court case and they decide, you know what, you're suspended for eight games, you know. And then after the court case, they may revisit. They may, you know, just say, well, that's that. We already had our investigation and, and we, we did what we, we felt we needed. We did what we felt was appropriate. We're not going to get him again. So, you know, it's a, it, you know, if, if you're trading for him, you're, you're making low ball offers um, and, and just trying to play on the, uh, the, the insecurity of other managers. So I don't mind rostering him and sitting him um, if, he, if he ends up getting sat. Most of my leagues, I don't think you can put him on, on the IR if he's suspended. So, you know, he will take up a roster spot, but I don't have that many shares of him. And even if he sits eight games, if he sits all of 2022, uh, he's going to be good when he comes back. He was, he was very, very good before and missing two seasons uh, and not getting beat up from a, from an injury standpoint kind of is beneficial to his body as long as he's staying in shape. Yeah. And I, I think the only thing that um, I thought in addition to that is it makes it um, kind of more interesting timing with the discussions around Baker Mayfield, because if you would have seen kind of, no decisions made on Deshaun Watson. There might have been some more urgency to trade him, but I think we've seen Cleveland maybe not having incredible urgency right now because if they're having these kind of meetings and discussions, you figure even if it lasts a couple more weeks and then they wait a couple weeks to make a decision, I would suspect we're going to hear something by the end of June, the beginning of July, uh, and that, you know, that gives them a clear direction. Do we need to consider, you know, Watson gets an eight to 12 game suspension. You're looking at maybe having Jacoby Brissett and saying, well, maybe, maybe we don't trade Baker right away. Right. Or, you know, if Watson ends up coming out of this and they decide no suspension or they suspend him for a game or two, maybe then you're back into, do we need to push to trade him out? Do we need to release him? So a lot of uh, potential impacts to both uh, the Browns and fantasy going forward. All right. Well, as promised, we are going to spin into Dynasty Buy or Sell. We're going to take a couple of players at each position. Uh, some of them, you know, are some of the most buzzed about and talked about players uh, this offseason. Uh, first up, we're looking at quarterbacks, and these are a lot of young players uh, that have a lot of questions coming into this year. The first of those is Zach Wilson for the Jets. He was the number two overall pick last year, played in 13 games, won three and 10, completed 55.6% of his passes, 23-34 yardage, nine TDs, 11 INTs. Sometimes looked like the third best quarterback on his own team, um, and that included uh, the likes of the venerable Mike White and Joe Flacco playing games for him. But... They've surrounded him with some weapons. He's got Elijah Moore kind of coming on. Corey Davis is still there. Braxton Berrios. They added Garrett Wilson in the draft. They added Brees Hall in the draft. They got a couple of tight ends. Michael Carter's still there. They added some linemen. They're trying to set him up for success. Are you buying it, Dennis? Well, you know, the things we are buying, we're buying that the Jets invested in surrounding him with weapons. Uh, we're buying that he has a dynamic arm and that he's mobile. What we're selling is that, you know, he kind of did look like the third best quarterback on his team an awful lot last year, but he's young. Um, he is mobile, athletic, and, and he's the guy. Uh, as much as, you know, we may want to joke around and say, oh, well, Flacco, Mike White, this, that. Uh, Flacco is... I'm not sure why Flacco is still playing. Uh, he, he can't at this point. He's he still cannot, elite. He he cannot be playing under the premise that he's going to get an opportunity to compete for the starting job. Not in New York. Not anywhere. Um, and I'd like to think you know he wouldn't be the first athlete to blow all of his money though. So 
Um, and, and Mike White is a, is a journeyman. He's, he's, you know, Colt McCoy. He, he may have a 10 or 12 year, 14 year career in the NFL, but he's not going to, he's, he's, you know, we saw it last year. He came, came in, he looked great for a game and then he faded really, really fast. And that, that's what journeyman quarterbacks do. So I like that uh, Zach it, Wilson is getting the opportunity to grow uh, from last year. So on Sleeper's ADP, he's going as quarterback 24 and pick 168 in single quarterback leagues. Um, at, least, at least I'd like to think he's not going to pick 168 in super flex leagues. Uh, so I... At that value, I definitely think he's he's worth drafting. Uh, I don't know that you're going to be able to trade for him with the perception that he's QB 24 because they did add Brees Hall. They did add Garrett Wilson. They've got Elijah Moore. They've got Corey Davis. I mean, they have a really strong set of weapons. C.J. Uzoma is a great locker room guy and a very clutch player. Tyler Conklin, the same way. And they built on their offensive line with Fant, Tomlinson, McGovern, Elijah Vera Tucker. Becton, Becton's been a little bit shaky, but he started to come back on a little bit. We'll see what happens. I think the opportunity is there for them to explode. And I could, if Zach Wilson finished his quarterback 12, I wouldn't be surprised. So he'd be a buy for me if I'm if I'm able to get him at quarterback 16 to 24 value, he's a buy for me all day. You're muted. Of course. I think for me, I'm going to lean more toward him being a sell, um, just because I think there is a lot of optimism about the Jets offense. And I I looked at their schedule. I'm not sure they're going to have a great year, and I'm still not entirely sold that Zach Wilson is the guy to carry that team or is ever going to give you big fantasy returns. So if I find somebody that's hyped up about the Jets, I think I'm moving on from him. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like the, the coaching staff is pretty secure right now. And so I do feel like there's about four years of security – you know, it's definitely, I don't feel like it's a Matt Rule situation in New York. I feel like there's there's a solid base there with Salah. And so to me, it's, I, I get it. If, if, if he's your second or third quarterback, it might make sense to sell him because his value could, if you can find somebody that values him at quarterback 12, then it might make sense to do it. Well, our second buy or sell quarterback is Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, He is entering his third season. He has started 21 games in Miami, 13 and 8 as a starter there. Uh, Career 66.2% completion percentage, 27 touchdowns against 15 interceptions. Uh, He's actually done reasonably well um, when they've given him a chance, but I think he's done better than people give him credit for sometimes, especially last year when the Dolphins got off to that horrendous start. He inarguably has his best set of weapons and the kind of offensive-minded coach that could allow him to succeed this season. Jalen Waddle's going into year two. They went out and got Tyreek Hill. Mike Gusecki's coming back. They added Chase Edmonds uh, in the backfield. So there are some things to like. They added Cedric Wilson uh, at receiver there. They seem to be going all in, trying to give Tua a chance to succeed in the tightly packed AFC. Are you buying, Dennis? Well, the the things that we're buying, we're buying that McDaniel will be successful. I think by and large, we've all felt like, all right, he's he's the next wonderkin. Uh, we're buying the Hill, Waddle, Gesicki are the basis of the offense, which means that they're going to pass. And... It, you know, a five-yard completion that's taken to the house for 60 yards um, is, a, is 60 passing yards the same as a 60-yard completion to the end zone is a 60-yard touchdown pass. So, you know, I think if we're buying Tua at this point, we're buying him that he can start to approach the Drew Brees type of ceiling that, uh, you know, he's been I, – I feel like he, he's – 
He's a good comp for Drew Brees. You know, not a great arm, good accuracy, uh, very, very smart. We'll get him in the right play. Um, th- what, but we're selling that he doesn't have a good arm. You know, I, I question the uh, temerity of the Dolphins posting that pass to Tyreek Hill when Hill has to slow down and turn around to catch the ball. And, you know, half-ass looks like a punt. Um, but I also I don't think that uh, they're going to throw an awful lot of that type of pass. I think that Tyreek Hill is amazing. Him and uh, Jalen Waddle both are amazing at getting open and in, in within 15 yards. Uh, Mike Gesicki's a big body and, and provides that. Uh, he's going to QB 18, pick 111. So he's going 50 picks over 50 picks ahead of Zach Wilson. I I'd be selling if he's going that high. I like Tua. I like I had Tua over Burrow coming out. One of the things that that uh, I didn't like about Burrow was he had just he you know he he couldn't beat out Haskins at Ohio State, and then he only had the one real good year of production. Now it was a phenomenal year of production at LSU, but the first year there he he didn't have a terrific season. Um, but if I if I'm able to get you know. QB 16, 18, 14, maybe, um, you know, ninth round startup value, 10th round startup value for Tua. I, I do think that's worth selling because I, I like guys like Zach Wilson a little bit more. I think Wilson has the more dynamic arm uh, and, and an equal set of weapons. Whether or not Wilson throws more passes than Tua this year, I don't know. Um, but to, to me, I think I'm, I'm selling to a, a QB 18 and pick 111. Yeah, and for me, I like I like to. I think he's going to thrive. I liked him coming into the draft. I still think that potential for top 12 is there. So I'm actually buying because I think there are enough people that aren't believers that I can get him for below where I think his potential is. But... Definitely, these two are, are definitely their teams pushed all their chips in. Yeah, we're have, to, we're have to see. Uh, the third guy in our quarterback list is another one going into year two, and that is Trevor Lawrence, who went into last uh, year's draft as a seemingly can't miss uh, quarterback prospect of the generations, and got Urban Meyer. He went three and fourteen as a starter. Uh, completed just under 60% of his passes, 3,600 yards, 12 TDs, 17 INTs. Didn't even look all that good a lot last season. Going into this year, they seemed to indicate that they were loading up on weapons for him, if that's what you're calling mega contracts for Christian Kirk and Zay Jones alongside LaVisca Chenault. Uh, They also are trying to bring Evan Ingram back to life under new coach Doug Peterson. There seems to be a lot of optimism for Jacksonville. Their early over-under is seven wins. Um, how are you feeling about Lawrence? Uh, he's going off the board at QB 21 and pick 148. Uh, I'm, I'm buying that all day long. I think that everything about his profile coming out still matters. Uh, it's still relevant. Big arm, very mobile quarterback. You know, he's got a new pass-friendly head coach. He's got a, a, a team that spent freely on the passing game weapons. Yeah, we can argue, well, was Kirk, Kirk really worth that for or, – or or um, who else did they bring in there? Kirk and uh, – Zay Jones. Zay Jones. They, and know. they also have Marvin Jones. Yeah, and so, like, did they invest in an elite passing – pass-catching option? No, they didn't. Um, but they did improve over, I think, the, the players that they had there last year. And they have a, a much better head coach. I mean, we can kind of shit on the way that Peterson crashed and burned at the end of his tenure in Philadelphia. But I think he's he's got some bona fides. He's, he won a Super Bowl. And whether we like it or not, I think Trevor Lawrence – is a substantially better quarterback and quarterback prospect than uh, Carson Wentz and Nick Foles were. I, I think Lawrence is still a stud. I think he's top 
eight potential easy with his skills and ability. Next, I think next off season, they're, I, I'm, I'm going to take the under on their wins because if they're smart, they're going to they're going to take the under to get a, a better draft pick and try to get themselves a young stud wide receiver that's coming out next year. Um, so I, I want him at quarterback 21 and pick pick 148. I, I'm all about that. Now, granted, I also may have a vested interest as in a startup last year, I did select Trevor Lawrence um, at the 103. So in a super flex league. So I, I may have a vested interest in him panning out. Uh, but I think quarterback 21 is dirt cheap for Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to smash accept on that all day. Yeah. I don't really like what Jacksonville's done, and I'm not as confident uh, of their coaching situation. seems like there are still some people that are very excited about Trevor Lawrence. I've seen him traded for two firsts in a league this offseason. If I'm getting that, I am probably moving, uh, moving on from him because I'm not as confident that his situation is good enough um, last year gave me a lot of pause, and I still don't think Jacksonville has done a lot to get better. I looked at their schedule. It's not very easy either, and the AFC is just really loaded now, so he's probably a sell for me. Our last quarterback is another second-year player, and this is probably, you know, it's probably good our friend Matt's not with us because I don't know if he could be impartial here, and that is Justin Fields, um, who had a miserable rookie year with the Bears, got uh, 10 starts, went 2-8, and eight, um, just under 59% completions, 18-70 in passing yardage, 7 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, didn't have much of the way of weapons uh, that he had to throw to, did make a little bit more of a splash, rushing, had 420 yards and two touchdowns on 72 carries. This offseason has not been incredibly kind to him. Allison Ro- Allen Robinson is gone. Um, they got him Equinemius St. Brown, Byron Pringle, and Vellis Jones uh, to go along with Darnell Mooney and, and Cole Komet. They almost add up to Allen Robinson if you stack them on top of each other. Before I finish this, Joe, I'll put up Joe's quote. They um, – you know, the Bears don't have a great line and didn't uh, exactly go in on an offensive-minded coach. Bears probably are in for a long season this year. How are you feeling about Justin Fields? I am so torn as an Ohio State fan because I love Justin Fields and I think he's a, a really, really good prospect. But he did struggle last year. And getting the coaching chain and stuff, now all of a sudden you've, you've got a front office and a head coach that didn't draft him. So they don't have to be as bought in. You know, what I'm buying is he's got a big arm and he's got great mobility as evidenced by the over 400 yards rushing. Um, he sometimes is slow in his decision-making. You know, the team didn't invest in the offense. When you look at those guys, Bellis Jones and Equinemius St. Brown, Byron Pringle, uh, Tajay Sharp, Dante Pettis, you know, that's that's not a, uh, you know, that's not, he, he looks at the Jaguars receiving crew and goes, oh, I'm so jealous. I mean, it, it's it's a rough crew. So the, the team didn't do anything to, to help him this year. And I'm trying to figure out, like, what is it he's going to have to do? Because he almost feels like he's in a no-win. He, he either like completely puts his team on his back and he carries them to an unreasonable amount of victories and they get a shittier draft pick and who knows what they get. Who knows how this new front office will start to stack their draft classes. Uh, and Or he really stinks or the team stinks. Maybe he plays okay. But they could just as easily go, you know what, we're going to go ahead and get our own guy uh, and move on. You know, I, I don't feel like he's in necessarily a, 
a great situation. He's coming off at QB 17 and pick 109. I think that's pretty aggressive because what, uh, you know, he's going one pick, two picks before Tua and one QB ahead of Tua uh, and, and a couple, what, 30 spots ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Um, I, I, I don't get that. I, I understand that he's got an amazing ceiling and a great big arm but he's in a terrible situation and we've seen good quarterbacks get broken before because the team is awful. Um, and right now, if I'm getting, you know, I, I kind of want to sell him or, or see if I can buy him low. Uh, I, in a one QB league, I was kind of, I'm in a rebuild and I've got Javante Williams. He's going into his second year now. <clears throat> and I'm like, I don't know. I think maybe I should just move on. So I offered Javante Williams for what projects to be an early round first in 23 in Justin Fields. And I got rejected, uh, encountered with Justin Fields in a late round uh, first. But I don't know if I want to risk on a, a late round pick and Justin Fields in a one QB class uh, on a team that I already do have Trevor Lawrence. So if I'm in a one QB league, so I, I declined it, but I, I feel like when this team is good, Javante Williams is going to already be on his down decline, and Justin Fields could be wrecked by the by the coaching staff in Chicago, and so I'm I'm I'm, I'm just nervous. I, I I'm selling Justin Fields here unless I can get him, you know, dirt cheap. Yeah, and I think. I'm selling too for the reason of how Justin Williams, Justin Fields. Yeah. I I think I'm selling too because of how high um, he's still going. You're right. Chicago is a mess this year. I don't know that they're trying to win, but if they are trying to win, they're not going to be successful. They're supposedly stockpiling a bunch of cap to go along with draft picks next year. But is that to build around Justin Fields or is that to build around whoever this new GM Ryan Pohl, um, wants to build what is their philosophy it's hard to tell what chicago even really wants to do so i'm i'm probably trying to move on from that to to find a truther uh before we leave quarterbacks uh as we leave these positions dennis has a uh, low budget option for you to go he's calling it his dumpster dive and who is your dumpster dive quarterback it's it's Jameis winston you know, I, I get that Jameis has some interception issues in his past uh, and that Sean Payton, uh, before Winston got injured last year, did his best to neuter Jameis's uh, uh, desire to take risks. But he's going off the board at QB 22, pick 133. And, and what, he's still, what, just 28 years old? Let me see if I can. On here, uh, and he's on a decent. Yeah, he's 28 years old, and he's on a team that I think many of us thought they were going to rebuild. It, they were so far over the cap. What were they going to do? Well, they went ahead and completely said, "No, we're not." They made some trades. They cleared the cap. They invested in a new left tackle. They grabbed a first-round wide receiver. They're getting Michael Thomas back. They signed Jarvis Landry. Um, you know, they got Ingram and Kamara to pair in the backfield again. And I think an unheralded thing they did was they signed Abram Smith as a uh, free agent running back. And every now and again, we'll get somebody that pops as a free agent. I think Smith has that ability. I mean, Mark Ingram's what, 31 now, 32? For a five foot nine, 215 pound running back he's built himself quite a career um but at qb 22 and pick 133 Jameis winston is screaming value and if i can go out and trade for him as a very low end qb2 he I mean, he's got qb1 upside he's got the arm to really exploit what chris olave does well and then that will take the pressure off of michael thomas and jarvis landry underneath and i feel like it's setting up for him to to have a phenomenal season uh, and bounce back. Now, could he throw 15 interceptions? 
he could. He, I, I could see him going 30 and 15 on the INT TD ratio. Um, but I think I'd take it because he's willing to do things, take chances that other quarterbacks won't because he believes in his arm and he believes in his receivers. And, and so I, I'm kind of willing to, to live with a couple of those mistakes. Um, but yeah, QB 12 or QB 22 with QB one upside screaming by. All right. Well, we're going to move on. And for the next couple of positions, we're just going to take a, a couple guys at each position who've had uh, interesting questions this offseason for running backs. First one is Christian McCaffrey, a guy who was probably the consensus number one pick in Dynasty the last couple of years going into the offseason. But he has really given people pause because he's only been able to appear in 10 games over the course of the last two seasons, rushing for 667 yards and six touchdowns on 158 carries during that time. He does still have uh, 54 receptions in that period. Um, but definitely not the production we've seen in the past. How are you feeling about Christian McCaffrey these days? Well, I, I'd argue that we have. it is the production we've seen in the past uh, in the games that he's played. And that's that's the, the conundrum. He's, he's going off in sleeper right now at RB5 and pick number five. And at, at what point do you say, I, I have to take him, I can't pass up, the potential, even if it's going to put me uh, behind the eight ball if he doesn't. So maybe you uh, uh, you, hand, you you definitely are going to try to handcuff him with Deontay Foreman or who's the – they drafted a rookie. Who was it? Uh, uh, Chuba Hubbard they Chuba. took year before last. Yeah, and, and I thought they got somebody this year, but I guess not. So, you know, I liked what Foreman did, completely different back. I can see a world where McCaffrey catches 100 passes and only carries the ball 125 times and and uh, Hubbard and or um, uh, uh, Foreman get over 200 carries. I can, you know, that I think that world exists. Does that mean he's RB5? I don't think so. Um, but he is, you know, he's what, 5'11 and 215 pounds or something? Uh, 211 pounds, you know, he's not big. It just, you know, he's rocked up and he's, you know, he's fit, but we've seen little guys not take that beating. We hear Austin Eckler out there on his show with Liz Loza talking about, Hey, uh, it's in my best interest and it's in the team's best interest to limit the amount of times I'm running in there with the big guys. Um, and I think we're at that point with Christian McCaffrey and we have seen him be so, efficient in the receiving game that I'm probably willing to take him late in the first. But if I'm, if somebody's offering me running back five draft capital for him, I, I think I got to sell him. Um, but I, I, you know, I could see taking him at the nine, 10 range and, and being like, I just can't pass. I mean, last year in the Scott fishbowl, I had the third pick and he was coming off an injury plague season. And I'm like, you know what, I've got to, you know, it's going to go Mahomes and McCaffrey, and I was building these teams around Josh Allen as the third pick, and I'll be damned if the number one pick in our league was Travis Kelsey, and then Mahomes went second. And I, I, I mean, at, at pick three, I had to take McCaffrey. Now this year, if it happens like that, I, I wouldn't do that. I, I'm going to go ahead and pass and, and take somebody I feel more comfortable with from the injury standpoint. Uh, but I'm selling at RB5. Yeah, I'm selling too. There's still there's a ton of people that are on the train that his his injury situation can't last forever, and that possibly is true. But I'm with you. I think they added a Deonta Foreman and they have a Chuba Hubbard because they're going to do more of a split to try to keep him available in more games. I also am not a huge believer in this Carolina offense. Uh, they have not been very good, and – you know, maybe Matt Corral ends up having something. Maybe Sam Darnold's, you know, tank of Palooza at the end of last year was an aberration. I'm not a huge believer in this offense. And I, I don't, I just think 
Christian McCaffrey's value right now is at a place. We we had this discussion a couple of years ago with Ezekiel Elliott. Do you try to sell him while he's still high? And you know, maybe you you're sitting facing him and he gets a 35 point game and you feel sad for a week. But overall, I think this is probably going to be the last of the high point of his value. You're already seeing him slide back off of it. Last year, there was rarely a question when somebody was the first pick in the draft about who they were going to take. Now you're seeing them slide back a little bit. I think that's only going to continue as he keeps going along. The other running back that we are going to talk about is a guy that is heading into his second year and has simply seen his value explode. And that is Javante Williams of the Denver Broncos. Yeah, they moved up in the second round to draft him last year. He was paired with Melvin Gordon in the backfield. He had 203 carries, got 903 yards, four touchdowns, caught 43 passes for 316 yards and three more touchdowns on 53 targets. For a long time this offseason, it looked like Williams was going to be the king of the roost in that backfield. There's a lot of excitement with Russell Wilson coming in, the Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator coming in. They did re-sign Melvin Gordon, but that doesn't seem to have dampened enthusiasm for Williams, who a lot of people have ranked up in the top five of dynasty running backs. Where is he for you, Dennis? I, I still believe in the talent. You know, we're buying that he's a really talented back. We've seen him be a good running back in the NFL. We're buying that they added Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson is going to make the right plays. We're, what we're selling is, is we don't know for sure what Paul Hackett's going to do. You may, you've got your ear to the ground there in Denver, so maybe you can elucidate it. Um, but the team brought back Melvin Gordon. I, and while they didn't break the bank for Gordon, they trust Melvin Gordon. And I don't think it's going to be a 50-50 split, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's a 60-40 split and Gordon still has a prominent role, you know, and it's another timeshare season. Uh, I love the talent of Javante Williams, but I, I still think it is a timeshare. And he's going off the board at RB9, pick 18, so middle of the second round. I, I, I think that's fair value, um, especially because he does have a tremendous amount of upside. I could see him at, uh, you know, finishing as RB5. Um, I don't see him getting into the top three uh, with Melvin Gordon there, but I could see him having a top five season and relegating Gordon to more of a 30 to 35% touch share versus a 60 or a 40% touch share and 64 Williams. Um, it, it's fair value. I, I'd probably, it, it, he's in that situation um, where I'd buy him for that, but I don't think I'd sell it for that. Yeah. And, and so that's probably the thing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not selling from places that I have him because I'm a diehard Denver fan, but I was in a startup a couple of weeks ago and he went, Jonathan Taylor was first running back off the board. He was second. I took Najee Harris like two picks later and and thanked him for the discount. His value is insanely high. I, I love him. I love the how he's running, but I think people are thinking they're going to get um, 2020 Aaron Jones season where he's going to have like 21 touchdowns and <clears throat> dominate three down. If I can find somebody that's a true believer like that, I'm, I'm selling um, because – I don't think his production return is probably going to match that hype. Yeah, I, I almost think you have to sell him. You know, speaking of Zeke Elliott earlier, Zeke is my dumpster dive here. It, it, I, I, I'm as I'm Elliott Homer. You can probably see the Ohio State jerseys on the wall there behind me if you're watching on YouTube. Um, you know, he's, he's called a beast for a reason. He, you know, he's six foot tall. And, and 225 pounds. He's got great speed, and he, he delivers blows. He, he runs like a hammer. He's missed very little time, um, and he played injured last year with a torn PCL virtually all season. I don't think Tony Pollard has taken the job from him, and I think if Zeke gets injured, 
I think Tony Pollard splits shares with Rico Dowdle. Um, he's he's going off at running back 15. Man, if, if I see Zeke make it into the second round like that, I, if I'm at 16, I'm trying to trade up to, to 201 to get him. Uh, or no, he's at pick 32. So that would be what, middle of, middle or early, early middle third round. So if I see him there, man, I, I'm going for it. I think he's going to have a bounce back season. Uh, I I think that uh, Dallas has something to prove. Losing Amari Cooper is does have an effect. I don't think Michael Gallup is replacing Amari Cooper. I do think that uh, uh, C.D. Lamb is the passing game star. Gallup's going to have a good year. James Washington and uh, uh, Jalen Dalton Schultz. And, and uh, uh, no, I was thinking wide receivers. And uh, uh, Noah Brown, they're going to flash but they're not going to be consistent. And I think that's going to come back to more of a, a run game uh, focus for Dallas uh, at, at pick 32 and RB 15. I can't take Zeke Elliott fast enough. Well, we're going to transition from running back to wide receiver, and we are going back to North Carolina. DJ Moore, and this one, Dennis will chuckle, uh, it lands on the list because we got a question that sparked quite a debate um, about him or Keenan Allen. And I think the thing that a lot of us feel about DJ Moore is he's wide receiver one talent in a wide receiver three situation uh, because of the quarterback and the uncertainty. But despite that, he did see 163 targets last year, catching 93 for 1,157 yards four touchdowns, kind of a quiet 93-catch, 1,100-yard season because of how bad Carolina was. How are you feeling about D.J. Moore these days? I think Moore is a screaming buy. Um, even even at uh, wide receiver 15, um, I feel like it's going to be the last year of Matt Rule. S- superior quarterback class coming in next year. Um I would think if they can't re-sign him because uh, he's going into year five, right? Yeah, uh, year five. And so if they can't re-sign him, I, I got to think they they uh, franchise. franchise tag him. And, you know, last year wasn't his first quiet 1,100-yard season. It was like his third or fourth in a row. And so he's catching 80 passes, 90 passes, 1,100 yards. I think that the challenge is that the offense stinks to high hell. And he if he could go from four touchdowns to eight touchdowns, it would make a world of difference in how he's perceived. Does he get there this year with Darnold and Corral? I don't know. Uh, I really don't. Um, but at, 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 you know, I'm going to retract my statement. At wide receiver 15, he's not a screaming buy. He's a buy. Uh, I probably, I would definitely wouldn't sell him uh, uh, cheaply, um, but at pick 40, what is it, 45, so middle of, late in the fourth round, I mean, that's that's really good value for somebody that you think is probably going to give you 11 to 1,300 yards, uh, 80 to 90 receptions, and probably four to seven touchdowns. Yeah, uh, I agree with Toronto, Dave. He does get seem to get volume, but he's yet to be in a good situation. He's like the new uh, Allen Robinson. Um, you know, TDs are the thing you just never know about. He's been very consistent. He's had uh, over 1,100 yards receiving each of the last three years, and he's had four touchdowns each of the last three years. You know, you're right. If one of these years he pops for eight to 10 with those numbers, then you're thinking about him differently. I like that spot. I I like right around 15. Um, I still think he does have wide receiver one talent. I I just don't love the situation. You're right. Maybe that improves a little bit uh, next year, but he's getting the targets. He had his last three years. He's had 135, 118 and 163. So the, the targets are there, and so it wouldn't surprise me if based on that type of volume alone, if he all of a sudden just dropped a sixteen hundred yard, 
you know, 100 catch, 1600 yard, um, eight, eight to 10 touchdown season. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I think it's challenging with the quarterback, but. I think what I'm looking for is uh, somebody who's out on him because of the situation. There are people out, out there that just don't value it. And then that's your chance to kind of jump in and, and scoop, scoop him up. Um, but yes, there is no doubt he's good at football. He's just, you know, some of these poor wide receivers, man, they just need to get a good break on a good offense. I'm, can't be more excited for Allen Robinson this year, seeing him get to play with Matt Stafford. Our other uh, wide receiver that we are going to put on this list is a guy who uh, didn't have a big uh, rookie year, but seems to be stepping into a big year two opportunity, and that's Rashad Bateman. He was a first-round pick for the Baltimore Ravens last year, but injuries uh, got him off to a slow start. He appeared in 12 games, but only started four, only saw 68 targets, caught 46 for 515 and a touchdown, so pretty modest showing. But his team right before the draft up and traded Marquise Hollywood-Brown to the Arizona Cardinals and did not draft a wide receiver. So that kind of leaves Bateman standing alone at the top of the pecking order. There have been a lot of rumblings. They're going to sign a veteran receiver. They haven't done it yet, and there aren't as many big names out there anymore. So how are you feeling about Bateman going into year two? Well, the team clearly was comfortable letting Hollywood Brown go. They're going to be a run-centric offense and – you know, with a healthy J.K. Dobbins and getting Gus Edwards back. And then, I mean, we saw what they did, uh, you know, with the four horsemen last year, uh, Tyson Williams and uh, Latavius Murray and, and uh, uh, you know, Devontae Freeman. You know, they had an effective running game. Le'Veon Bell, you forgot Bell. Yeah. And, and they, but they had an effective rushing game. Even with Lamar uh, Lamar Jackson out, Huntley still ran the offense very well. So is he going to lead the team in targets? Probably not. I'm going to expect that's going to be uh, uh, Mark Andrews. Uh, are Devin DuVernay and James Prochet going to have some good games? They are. But I do think that uh, Rashad Bateman is stepping into the wide receiver run or wide receiver one role uh, on that team. And he's going to be good for – he's going to have 100-plus targets. Uh, he, you know, he's not looking at the 150, 160 like some, but I could see him, you know, hitting 105, converting 70 because uh, they're not necessarily a lot of deep balls being thrown. And it'll be a lower passing volume offense with the way they, they run the ball. I, I know Lamar is running less and less. Uh, but he's still an effective runner, and it won't surprise me a bit if he plays 17 games. If he puts up another 1,000-yard season, it wouldn't surprise me if J.K. Dobbins puts up a 1,000-yard season. Um, but that offense is going to revolve around Andrews, Dobbins, Bateman, um, and Lamar Jackson. So wh- where is he coming off? Wide receiver 39, pick 95. What is that, around seventh round maybe, seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth round? Um, you know, that's to me, that's a screaming by. He's the number one guy on the offense there. Um, is he going to be a wide receiver one? He's probably not going to get that volume. But if he finished his wide receiver 20, would it, would people be like, that's amazing? I never saw that coming. I don't think so. I think people would be like, well, he's the wide receiver one, and we've seen Lamar Jackson put up a you know 70 ish percentage completion rate and 36 touchdowns. So uh, I'm all in on that. Yeah, see, and that's why he's a buy and sell for me, because if I can get him in that wide receiver, wide receiver four range, like where you're talking about ADP being at 39, um, I love that. You know, and I think there is a chance that he bounces up into low end wide receiver, too. I mean, we saw that with with Brown going. uh, I think he even finished in 2020 in the high end wide receiver, too. I think there's some some opportunity there. I'm wondering if that ADP is still um, a little bit impacted from before the Brown trade, because what I've seen recently, which is a situation where I would sell him is people talking about, he's going to be a top 12 player because Lamar Jackson's going to throw it all over the field. 
if that's the train you find somebody on, take the take the win there. Because I, I just don't think the Ravens are going to produce a top 12 wide receiver the way they're running the offense right now. You know, my dumpster dive for the wide receivers is uh, um, Kenny Galladay. I mean, yeah, it's not a great situation. And but man, the more I look at it, I'm like, Kadarius Tony is dynamic, but he seems like he's off the rails a little bit. Uh, Wandale Robinson is dynamic, um, but we're not necessarily sure. You know, is Wandale more of a replacement for um, Sterling Shepard, who they basically said, "Hey, we'd love to keep you around, but this is what it's going to cost you to stay on this team. You're going to have to take a big fat pay cut." Um, you know, Shepard has been good. I could see Wandale Robinson stepping in to the Sterling Shepard role. And we read article after article where Brian Dayball is saying, look, I just want Daniel Jones to rip it. Just grip it and rip it. Let it go. Throw it up there. Let those guys go make plays. Don't be afraid of, of, of turning the ball over. And that's what Kenny Galladay does. You know, he's six foot three and 210 pounds. He runs well, um, and he, he'll go up over the defensive back and make the catch. And so I'm, like, thinking, you know, offer a late second, early third-round rookie pick for him and see how people react. They may, they may go, you're fucking crazy, or they may go, I'm done with Kenny Galladay. I'll, I'll get rid of him. You know, that, that team is a train wreck. But all, all the talk coming out of there – is Brian Dayball saying, see big guy, throw ball to big guy, even when little guys are close. And it's just like, you know, stop overthinking it. And and I feel like there's going to be an opportunity. You know, Galladay may only have a 50% catch rate this year, but I could definitely see him um, with with a 17 to 20 yards per catch um, season. So, Go, go buy Kenny Galladay. He's wide receiver 57, picked 134. You know, that's what, 13th, 14th round he's going in startups. You know, at that point, that's a that's a beautiful flyer because if it ends up working out and, and Daniel Jones is like, you know what, to hell with it. I'm going to let it fly. Um, it, it could be magic. All right. Well, we're going to close out with a tight end, and I'm going to put these two guys out there together. Um, both of them have been high performers, and the question is whether or not it's time to sell at the top end of their value. And these two tight ends are Travis Kelsey of the Chiefs, who for a long time was not only the number one tight end, but also a clear positional advantage. We saw that come back to a little bit of a pack last year with a group of guys kind of emerging at that position. And the other one is Darren Waller, who seemed like he was tracking to be the Mark Andrews of the Raiders. We saw Hunter Renfro emerge a little bit last year. Now they have gone out and traded for Devontae Adams, who has traditionally been a target hog. How are you feeling about these two tight ends who are going still pretty high among the group of tight ends? Well, Kelsey's going as tight end one. Waller is going as tight end five. Kelsey at pick 15 and Waller at pick 40. So Waller is going in the in the third round or fourth round, um, whereas Kelsey's like the, the third pick of the second round. So at value, I probably want Waller but I, I have huge concerns about Waller's volume. I think he's still going to be good, but I feel like he's sliding down. He, when they signed Adams and expressed their love for Renfro, I mean, it's, it's like they, they basically were like, you know what, this has been working, but the Devontae Adams thing, and, and I can't get over the feeling that Derek Carr, David, Derek Carr, is going to force the ball to Devontae Adams. Uh, he's going to say, look, let's show everybody how right we were for you to come here. And I, I could see Devontae having a Cooper Cup-like season this year. Um, but at what cost to Darren Waller? And, and so Waller Waller is a sell for me. If I can get sell him at tight end five value, he may still finish as tight end eight. Um but there's a lot of tight ends. Tight ends are fluky. They pop up with um, 
Uh, you know, it doesn't take but a few touchdowns to, to have a tight end jump four, five, six spots uh, in the tight end rankings. So it's easy to see Waller dropping down. I think Kelsey, uh, you're right, Joe, he's going to get attention, but he's always gotten attention. You know, you can only cover him with so many guys. They're not going to put five guys on Travis Kelsey. Uh, and I also think that they're going to uh, – if I can sell Kelsey based on the perception that he's the only show in town, to me, I think that's huge. Go If you can sell him for first-round – uh, value, first round startup value, uh, get, get the types, you know, get a couple good picks for him. I, I think it makes sense to sell him now. He is what, 31 years old, 32 years old. And well, I love Travis Kelsey. And if you sell him now, uh, you're probably giving up the advantage for this year, but I do think that, that he's headed into the sunset of his career. Um, I, th- they would both be sells for me, honestly. He is uh, 32, uh, getting close to 33. He's an October birthday. Okay. So they're both big sales for me as well. Um, and I think it's – this is where you almost have to adopt that that old Patriots mentality of you'd like to be a year too early yep. uh, and get a big return than a year too late. Um and we started seeing signs last year of some shifting in the Kansas City offense. And I think that might be one of the reasons they were okay with moving on from Tyreek Hill. We saw Kelsey be a little more boomer bust than we'd seen before. And we saw the the him come back to a pack of tight ends a little bit. Uh, and I think we've seen also Kansas City has shifted to getting a plurality of weapons because of that formula that took them to the Super Bowl early on and got them a Super Bowl, people started adjusting to defensively, and now Kansas City needs to make an adjustment. And I don't, I think we're in the midst of that. And to me, you know, Kelsey, people were starting to fade down on Kelsey a little bit. Now everybody's right back on the Kelsey hype train because of the Hill move. And I think that makes it the best time to sell high Waller. You know, I, we already started to see toward the tail end of last season when Hunter Renfro started to become a bigger part of the offense that the, you know, the target share that he was having at the beginning, I was that first, uh, I think that first game of the season on Monday night for the Raiders, they targeted him like 24 times. It's looked like, Carr only had eyes for Darren Waller. That started to come down a little bit as he went through the season. And you're right, with Devontae Adams and now Josh McDaniels and running a new system in there, I think Darren Waller is still talented. He's still going to be good as a tight end. But you're talking about if he's going at pick 40, there's a lot of wide receivers and running backs I'd rather have. Yeah. So my dumpster dive tight end, is, is the one and only David Njoku of the Cleveland Browns. I know there's questions at quarterback, but they let Austin Hooper walk. They got rid of him. Um, they drafted Hunter Bryant last year, and he has flashed. They've got a couple blocking tight ends. David Njoku, you know, they extended him. I, I think what the Browns said was, hey, we've got this weapon, and – it, it is somebody we have to use. He's going off the board at tight end 20. So he, he's a, a, a low end tight end two. pick 174. That's what pick. That's like round 15. Is it somewhere around 16? He's going to be the starting tight end. He's a decent blocker, but he's a phenomenal re. Well, he, I'm going to not say phenomenal receiver because his hands come into question sometimes, uh, but he gets open and he can make big plays. He's got really, really good speed, but he's what six foot four and two hundred and fifty pounds. And when he catches the ball, he's got the ball in his hands. The guy is just tough to bring down. He's got great speed. And if I'm picking in the the, you know, the fifteenth round, and I'm looking for a flyer at tight end, you know, this is a this is a guy I'm all in for. I'm trying to acquire uh, to bolster my tight end crew and. At tight end 20, it's not a it's not that big a leap to get to tight end 10. 
Uh, I think he's going to get good volume. I think he's going to get good touchdown opportunities. Um, I'm all in on David and Joker. Well, there you have it. A few uh, buy or sells. We may have to bring this back in a couple of weeks. There were a lot of other uh, fun people to look at, and I'm sure Matt would have uh, some fun input as well. But hopefully, uh, as you're out there, uh, rookie drafting and wheeling and dealing, this gives you an idea of some of the feelings we have for these guys. And good luck out there in those trading waters. We will uh, be back on Monday, probably all three of us back together, hopefully. But until then, have a great weekend. Hasta la vista, baby. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall wide already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle in the point.